And as we continue this sense series, actually we're coming to the conclusion that today, I'd encourage you to pick up the, one of the red Bibles from in front of you because I think you're going to want to follow along. This is a, it's a rich, rich passage and uh, a little bit longer story. That's why we're having you be, be seated there. In the red Bible, it's on page 902, page 902, the 17th chapter of Acts. Page 902. And as I mentioned to the kids, Paul and his friends have been traveling and they are now in Greece. So Acts 17, starting to read with verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he argued in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and also in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Also some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers debated with him. Some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. This was because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they took Paul and brought him to the Areopagus and asked him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. It sounds rather strange to us, so we would like to know what it means. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing something new. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the object, objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needs anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live, so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For, quote, in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, he now commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some scoffed, but others said, we will hear you again about this. At that point, Paul left them, but some of them joined him and became believers, including Dionysus, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. The word of the Lord. And I'd encourage you to leave a bookmark in there as you may want to look back again as we 
explore this this morning. Beloved people of God, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It was the summer of 2002 and something was sent to us from across the pond. Not from the west, across that pond, but this pond, across the pond. It was sent to us from Britain, summer of 2002. It's something you all know about now. There was a TV show in Britain called Pop Idol. Summer of 2002, it came here. What was it? American Idol, of course. How many of you watch American Idol? A few of you? I like, I don't watch it at all. American Idol. For those of you who are like me and you don't know what it is, American Idol is a television show that's a competition of singers. And these singers go on the show, these wannabe stars, and they compete, and people from across the country, they call, they go online, they text to vote for who the winner is. And some of those winners have become famous. They're household names, right? Like who are some of the American Idol Winners that are Kelly Clarkson, Carrie Underwood, Jennifer Hudson wasn't a winner. You're an idol watcher, huh? Some of those are household names now, and some of them are pretty much forgotten. Like, who are some of the forgotten ones? See, you can't remember, can you? I've been thinking about American Idol as I've been reading and reflecting on this passage from Scripture where Paul is in Athens. And Paul looks around Athens and he's amazed at all of the Athenian idols. He looks around Athens and there are idols and shrines all over. And Paul is struck by that. We often forget or maybe have never really known that throughout most of time, people have seen the world through the eyes of polytheism. Polytheism. Polytheism means many gods. In the biblical world, there are many gods. In the ancient Greek world, there are many gods. I would say, in our world, there are many gods. We don't usually think about that. And when we try to read the scriptures and we don't have that frame of mind that there are many gods, then we miss out on what's happening much of the time. In the Old Testament, it's pretty easy to see, if you just pay attention, pretty easy to see that there are many gods vying for people's attention. And people are are voting for those gods based on who they worship and where they worship. And so you've got the Old Testament prophets and the prophets of Baal. And there are even competitions between the gods. And that continues on into the New Testament. 
the Jewish folks were ones who said, in the midst of all of these gods, there's one God that we ought to worship. The God of Abraham and Sarah. The God of Jacob. The God of Isaac. That one God is the God that we ought to worship. And when Jesus is on the scene, that world of polytheism continues. And by that time, not only are there the, the traditional tribal gods of the different people, but there are also the politicians who start to put themselves up to be gods. So by Jesus' time, the Roman Empire is in control of, of everything from, from what is now Italy all the way to to the east, across what is now Greece, across what is now Turkey, all the way into Palestine where Jesus was, the Roman emperor, Caesar. And he claimed to be divine. And he wanted people to bow down to him and worship him. And so that didn't sit well with the Jews. So again, that context of polytheism, of many gods competing, is important to understand life and faith and it's very evident in our reading from Acts where Paul is in Athens and he looks around and he sees all of the idols. He was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. I want to read again the opening part of our, our uh, scripture for today. Paul, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he argued in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons. So he's going to talk with the Jewish folks in the synagogue. And also in the marketplace, he went down to Kessler's dining room or the airport cafe. And he talked with everybody who happened to be there. Also, some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers debated with him. How many of you have ever been described as Stoic? Now, some of you are sitting there. You don't even turn your head. No, I'm not Stoic. The Stoic philosophers, not exactly related to how we talk about somebody being Stoic now, but this is where it gets its roots from the Greek, Greek philosophical, the Greek philosophical perspectives. And some said, what does this babbler say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. Foreign divinities? Why would Paul be accused of proclaiming foreign divinities? Well, if you look there in the scripture, you see a little parenthesis there, right? And what does it say? Because he was telling the good news about Jesus and Anastasia. Right? Have you ever known somebody named Jesus? How about somebody named Jesus? Ever known anybody named Jesus? Okay. Have you ever known anybody named Anastasia? You haven't? You've heard the name though, right? Yeah. That's what the Greeks heard Paul proclaiming. Jesus and Anastasia. Anastasia happens to be a Greek name that when you translate it, it means resurrection. But they didn't understand that. 
they lived in a polytheistic world. They assumed that there were many gods. And so this foreigner comes, Paul comes, and he starts talking about these foreign divinities, Jesus and Anastasia. Well, they're curious, and they want to hear more. And so Paul continues the conversation with them out in the marketplace in the Areopagus. And he starts out and he says, you know, I see how very religious you are. You've got all kinds of shrines to practice your religion. And there's one in particular that caught my eye. It's an altar with an inscription. And what does the inscription say? To an unknown God. You've heard the, the term atheist, right? That literally is somebody whose perspective is that there is no God. Have you heard the term agnostic? Agnostic is someone who says, I don't know. I don't know if there's a God or not. Well, this temple here is kind of an agnostic temple. It's to an I don't know God. Well, Paul said, points to that and he says, God is not unknown. But the true God, the true God is the one who, who created everything that is. Who created you. Who created me. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath. And then Paul does something else. He, he turns and he quotes one of the poets of the day. He quotes one of the poets of the day. For in him we live and move and have our being as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. So Paul, in the midst of this ancient Greek marketplace, reaches out because he's been listening to the popular culture, and he knows that one of the people who's been singing, okay, a poet, not a singer, but to get the connection, he's reaching out to the popular culture, and he's grabbing something that's meaningful to them and linking it up to tell the story of what God's up to. In him we live and move and have our being. We are God's offspring. He said, says to these Greek folks, you don't need to be groping around for God because you dwell in God's presence. In him you live and move and have your being. In fact, you are God's offspring. Now that sounds, sounds odd to say. Offspring of God. Yeah, there's a joke of pastor's kids that they call themselves PKs, pastor's kids. And the, the ones who want to be even more funny about it, they call themselves TOs, theological offspring. You are God's offspring, he says. You are children of God, he says to these folks. So I want to shift from Athens to America. Actually, not to all of America, just to the United States of America, just that segment of America. I wonder, 
what are American idols today? Paul sees the Athenian idols. What are American idols today? Beyond the TV show. What are things that call for our allegiance? Money. This is really, I'm going to come back to the second one I heard. This is very interesting because as I asked last night, the same thing came up first. Money. I was looking back at Martin Luther's large catechism where he talks in the, about the first commandment, having no other gods. And the first thing that he lists there 500 years ago in Germany was money. He says, money and property, they trust in them and boast in them so stubbornly and securely that they care for no one else. Interesting. Before I get to you, hang on a second. From the front row here, somebody said, our phones. Our phones. Could be. Try to live a few hours without it. What are other things that call for our allegiance? Sports teams. Wow. Wow. Martin Luther, the second thing that he talked about was great learning, wisdom, power, prestige, and family. We don't ever trust in our power and prestige, do we? In the ancient world, it was the, the emperor of Rome who wanted ultimate allegiance. We would never have any politicians these days who think of themselves as gods, who want us to bow down. It's easy to see when other countries behave badly, but what about us? Martin Luther encourages us to not put our hearts and our trust elsewhere than in the one true God. He says, one's whole heart and confidence ought to be placed in God alone and no one else. To have a God, as you can well imagine, does not mean to grasp him with your fingers or to put him in your purse or to shut him in a box. Rather, you lay hold of God when your heart grasps him and clings to him, to cling to him with your heart is nothing else than to entrust yourself to him completely. I don't know if you caught that reversal that happens there. He talks about grabbing God, putting God in your purse, putting God in a box. And then he says to really cling to God is when you entrust yourself to him completely to entrust yourself. Last night we had a baptism and at this, at this point I just went out and she's too big to do it too. But I said, can I hold your baby? And the mom gave me the baby. She entrusted me with this baby. And when you entrust yourself to God, you don't grab hold of God. You let go and let God hold you. Beloved people of God, as we come to the end of this Sent series, 
I invite you to be thinking how you are sent among American idols. What are those false gods that are around us all the time? What are those things that call for our allegiance that are not God? And when you bump into people who are striving and struggling and groping around like the Athenians described by Paul, that you would recognize, recognize and help them to see that in the midst of their struggles, God is already with them. In God, they live and move and have their being, and they are God's offspring. It's probably not very good news if you say you're God's offspring. Come on, you can let them know that they're children of God, beloved children of God.